Well, hello there, and welcome to episode 20 of Musical Connections. I'm your host, Zach Snow, and we got another great guest lined up for you this week. We're going to be talking to co-founder and musician Brian Cherwick. Of course, he's the co-founder of the Kuba Sonics. We're going to talk about the early history of the band from their roots in Edmonton and uh, Brian's family's roots in Ukraine. And then we're also going to talk about the current iteration of the Kuba Sonics that we've all come to know and love here in Newfoundland and Labrador, plus their albums, as well as the ongoing war in uh, Ukraine. And of course, uh, what else you have in store coming up in the year ahead. We're going to get to that after this week's newfound releases. And just last Friday, Nico Paolo, she released her debut album, her self-titled album, To The World. And I got to say, it's probably one of the most hyped albums of the year from Newfoundland and Labrador so far. Here's the lead single from that record. This is Now or Never on the Musical Connections podcast. Kiss me now, oh never. Hold me close, oh let me go. just wanna feel your love again I would almost give you everything But it is a time that I let you know Oh, you hold me tight Oh, you better let me go Oh, I know how hard you've tried To live all your alternate lives Oh, you loved me once before Could you love me once again?
Powell for you on the Musical Connections podcast with Now or Never. And right now I'm going to go to another release from Mark Bragg. It is his first release in a couple of years, and it's off his upcoming album Ashes, set to come out next month. Here's the least single from that new album. This is Dead Boy Man on newfound releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast. Connections podcast that is Dead Boy Man. And this next song from John Moran, he says he recorded it on an eight track reel to reel. And he describes this next tune as a warm and colorful exploration of analog sound. Man, that sounds pretty cool. Here's this new song for you right now. This is Tambourine My Love on newfound releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast. Like a tambourine, sweeter than. 
great tune there from John Moran. That is Tambourine, My Love. And now we're going to go to Little Known Artist. Of course, that is the alias of Dean Stairs. And um, this song here describes it as uh, using the beautiful rhythm of new life to set the scene. And uh, this uh, Little Known Artist allows you to draw your own conclusions. Right now, here's that new tune for you. This is Building a Tribe on newfound releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast. known artist that's a good name for an artist there hey that's our new tune building a tribe and we're going to wrap up with one of newfoundland and labrador's finest guitar players teaming up with one of newfoundland labrador's finest voices 
Craig Young and Andrea Monroe, they are also known as Blue Star Juniper. And uh, they have played a few gigs here in town and uh, here in the province as of late. And uh, they are set to put out an album themselves, and I cannot wait to hear it. Right now, here's their first ever single. This is St. Jones Within on new fan releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast. Need to get back to the start To the town where I was born and raised So my eyes can gaze See my long lost friend St. Jones within A little town I know so well I left my heart when I left that dell City lights they were calling me of that little bay I've been around the world again and again and there's nothing like my town St. Jones within but still my heart need to get back to the start to the town where I was born and raised so my eyes can gaze see my long lost friend St. Jones within Let's get to this week's conversation on Musical Connections. We are next to connect with co-founder of the Cubasonics and multi-talented musician, Brian Cherwick. We talk about his days as a musician. We talk about the early days of the Cubasonics when they were based out of Alberta. 
And then their move to St. John's, where we've come to know the lineup of the Cubasonics being Brian, Maria, and Jacob Cherwick, along with Darren Booby Brown, as well as Matt Hender. And we're going to talk about their various albums they've recorded here and uh, get Brian's thoughts on the ongoing war in Ukraine between Russia and Ukraine. And we're also going to talk about the roots of his family in Ukraine. And we're going to talk about his Ukrainian family roots. And um, we're also going to talk about some other projects they have on the go and some other shows they have on the go as the year rolls along. Right now, let's get to my conversation with co-founder of the Kubasonics, Brian Sherwick. Well, welcome back to the Musical Connections podcast, and I'm your host, Zach Snow. Joining me right now, he is the founder of uh, Ukrainian speak folk band, the Kubasonics. Originally uh, founded in Edmonton, they have uh, made their home in St. John's since 2011, and uh, since the reformation in 2015, We've all come to know them as a really fun band on stage, and they've released uh, three albums here as part of their uh, current core of uh, Brian Cherwick, Maria Cherwick, Jacob Cherwick, Darren Brown, and Matt Hender, which uh, includes their most recent album, Kuba Songs, which is up for two ECMA awards, and the cover of the album, which was up for Juno this past March. And uh, by the time this airs, it will air in April. But, um... These guys have been also become uh, ambassadors of Ukrainian culture since the invasion of Ukraine by the Russian government. Well, joining me right now is the uh, founder, as I said, of the Kubasonics, Brian Cherwick. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having us here, Matt. Uh, Zach. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations again to your uh, your two East Coast Music Award nominations. Yeah, we're uh, looking forward to that. Uh, I mean, we're uh, in, in a group with lots of other great groups. There's always, you know, it's, it's just nice to be nominated. So whether you win or not, it's not really, uh, not really a factor. It's just nice to see that uh, you know folks in your field recognize what you're doing. Absolutely. Now, um, I like to ask this question to all my guests uh, to start the podcast. How are things in your world? But of course, uh, over the past year, uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, and the Ukrainian-Russian war has been going on for the past year or so. So I'd imagine a lot has been on your mind. But uh, of course, I. Uh, you, Maria, and uh, the rest of your family have become real ambassadors of Ukrainian culture here, which we will talk about uh, later on. But uh, just overall, how are things uh, in, in life right now, Brian? Uh, sort of improving, I guess. But I mean, as you say, it's difficult because of, uh, you know, circumstances. It's, you know, uh, as you mentioned at the top, like our music's kind of upbeat and happy music, and it's not always doesn't always pair well with, you know, talking about really bad, serious stuff. But I mean, at the same time, it still gives us a platform to say, you know, get people's attention and let them know, you know, more information about what's going on. And we've been trying to help out as much as we can, you know, especially with uh, uh, some folks back in Ukraine, because we have family back there. We have friends back there who are involved. We have friends that got called up to serve in the army things like that. So, uh, you know, we've been doing a lot of that, helping humanitarian aid, uh, and a little bit of help for the folks that have arrived here as well, that, you know, to St. John's recently. Absolutely. Now, uh, I want to go back to, uh, you know, growing up, uh, because you're, of course, you're not originally from here. You do have roots in Ukraine, uh, but uh, you've really spent most of your life in Edmonton. Uh, but of course, you uh, your real draw to music was the Ukrainian culture because your family has roots in Ukraine. So uh, what drew you to music and uh, 
in particular Ukrainian music? Well, it's people are often confused because they see me singing in Ukrainian and, and they hear my voice and I have a bit of an accent, but it's probably more a Western Canadian accent than anything. And uh, I'm actually not from Ukraine. Like my great grandparents came to Canada more than 120 years ago. So, uh, you know, we've been living on the prairies. I, I grew up actually in Winnipeg, so I lived in Manitoba and then, and then later in Edmonton, uh, you know, and, uh, my, uh, on the prairies of Canada, there's pretty large Ukrainian communities. Like, as I said, they've been coming since the 1890s. So, uh, and yes, and settling in kind of like, because in the 1890s and the early part of the 20th century, the Canadian government was trying to get farmers to settle on the prairies of Canada. And so they were advertising in Europe and especially in Eastern Europe for farmers to come and move to Canada and, and settle the land. And, uh, and the part of Ukraine where my family's from looked a lot the same as the land in Manitoba or Saskatchewan or Alberta and uh, the same kind of farmland. So those, those people already knew how to, how to do all of that stuff. So that's how my folks ended up here, you know, and uh, started out in farming and, and, um, but while people were there, they also tried to keep all the traditions, you know, the things that they remember from, from their home country. And music was a big part of it. And my, my uh, generations of my family, they were professional musicians, but they all played. My great-grandfather played the fiddle, and my grandfather played the fiddle, my dad played the fiddle. They all used to play at weddings and dancing and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. One of my uncles was a professional musician. He actually played in a band that toured, like, all across Canada and a bit into the States and stuff. And... And so, you know, I grew up going to all kinds of Ukrainian events. Uh, my dad had, I think, somewhere in the range of like a hundred first cousins. Wow! And so we went to we went to lots of ways because I mean, in the olden days, people had giant families, you know, ten kids, twelve kids, kind of like in rural Newfoundland sort of thing back in the day. And uh, you know, uh, so we went to lots of weddings, and all those weddings had Ukrainian music and. Uh, I was always kind of drawn to music stuff, so I would sit and listen to all those people play. And then when I started learning how to play music a little bit, you know, they were kind enough to let me, you know, they let the kids sit in the back and I could play. And if I didn't make too much noise, they let me play along. So it was quite, that's kind of how you, how you get, get going. And that's, I mean, I kind of did the same thing with uh, Jacob and Maria when we were starting our band, you know, as they could learn how to play, we'd come up, hey, we know how to play this song. It'd be fine. Come on up, play, yeah. play along with us. that's wonderful man now of course uh 1996 was a big year uh you formed the kubasonics and uh the original lineup of the band wasn't really the lineup we're all used to now here in uh in newfoundland and labrador when you made that move but um your very first gig was at at uh edmonton's hozak in the park june 1996 and the original lineup was yourself Paul and uh, Beth Cherwick, as well as Jay Lind and Bill Yacy. And uh, that was your very first uh, gig in June 1996. And most of the members of the band uh, around that time you met while studying at the University of Alberta while earning a PhD from the Center of Ukrainian Studies. So uh, take me back to that very first gig you had in uh, 1996, Brian. Uh, What was that like? Well, I, I, I keep telling this story many times, but like, lots of times people used to invite me to come and play by my, like I would play solo shows and bring a whole range of like weird instruments that folks don't see too often. And that dancing show was the exact same thing. Like that, that, that festival was primarily a dance festival. 
And they were just looking for something to fill in the gap, like while they were changing over the stage and stuff. And they asked, us, asked me if I come to play. And my brother had happened to be, he got a summer job uh, in Edmonton and was living with me at the time. And he was a drummer, like in a rock band. And I had this idea of, you know, taking old-time Ukrainian music and mixing it together with other styles of music. So I figured, good, let's, let's, I asked the organizer of the festival, do you mind if I bring a whole band instead of just me? And he said, sure, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, so we, so we put that together and it was really going to be just like a one-time thing. But you know, the audience was so excited about the music and people started asking us, when are you playing again? When do you have a recording of this? You know, whatever, all this kind of stuff. And people started calling me to come bring a whole band again. So, so it kind of took off from that. Yeah. That's wonderful. Now, of course, uh, you said, uh, you brought some, what you call weird instruments, but, um, the instruments I've come to see, like, they may look weird to like, you know, people who are not familiar with Ukrainian uh, music, but, you know, after seeing you guys uh, play many times, I'm just enamored by all the instruments that you uh, have on stage, and you played them so well. But uh, one of the instruments that uh, really drew my eye was the Denali, which uh, is like this kind of like a Ukrainian, like, xylophone type thing. So uh, tell me a little bit more about those instruments that you uh, have as part of the uh, Kubasonics. Sure, the one you're talking about in, in Ukraine, we call it tim, timbale. It sounds kind of like the symbols of the drum set, like the word, the name of it. And it's a trapezoid-shaped thing. In some cultures, they call it the hammered dulcimer. Like it's, 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 that kind of instrument exists in okay. many cultures all, all across the world. So it's similar, but you know, in every country that has the, their own version, it might have like a different amount of strings or a different kind of tuning system or things like that. So, you know, there's those, those instruments, like the, the original, you know, originated thousands of years ago somewhere in the Middle East, but then it kind of traveled across Europe and across Asia. So there's like, there's versions of that in China, in India, in Japan, and also throughout Europe and whatever. And in Eastern Europe, it's pretty, pretty common. Like the Hungarians have a giant version that's called the Symbolon, and ours is called Symbolic. So it's kind of like, uh, I tell people it's like the inside part of a piano. So if you ever look inside a real piano, when you press the strings down or press the keyboard down, you know, the different wooden hammers jump up and down and hit strings inside of a piano. So this is the same kind of thing, but instead of the keyboard, I just have two wooden hammers that I hit all the strings with. So it's sort of a cross between a piano, a xylophone, and uh, maybe a harp or something like that, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Now, of course, uh, you are known as uh, Canada's best Ukrainian folk band. And um, just from the description on your website here, and when it came to like your most recent album, Kuba Songs, which uh, we'll get to in uh, just a moment, or we'll get to later on in the interview, actually, um, uh, the result was a Zappa-esque element of, of a variety of musical genres, including uh, traditional uh, like uh, folk tunes as well as Ukrainian music. So uh, what are some of the uh, influences that uh, make up the Kubasonics uh, sound? Well, as I mentioned, you know, everybody in our band, we all play in all kinds of other bands, you know, and play in all different other kinds of music. And so one, even from the very first time that I, that first show that we played, like a few of the people that played in the group then uh, were people that knew nothing about Ukrainian music. And I asked, invited them to join us just so that they would bring a different kind of idea. But we make all kinds of things. Some songs sound like influences from rock music or country music or other music of other countries or who knows what, you know, whatever, 
we listen, and then, uh, actually, since we've been here in Newfoundland, lots of Newfoundland music as well, because we've been trying to do that, you know, take the traditional music in Newfoundland, which is sometimes similar in nature, you know, you've got fiddle music and accordion music and all that type of thing, and uh, and see which ones which ones can, can pair up with the uh, with the Ukrainian folk songs that we're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. that's awesome. Now, um, let's go to uh some songs that you had featured on the CBC programs. One of those songs was a Giant of the Prairies, and another one was Billy Mosienko. Now, um, Billy Mosienko was featured on Hockey Night in Canada to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Billy Mosienko's uh hat trick. Um. So uh, what was that feeling like to have uh, two of those songs featured on uh, national television like that? Oh, it's pretty cool. Like, uh, it's something that we don't do much as much here anymore because uh, when when I was living on the prairies, as I mentioned, like, there's, a few, you know, really large communities of Ukrainians there. And considering that they've been in Canada for so long, like over 100 years, as the generations go on, uh, there's people who... Uh, maintain some traditions but lots of them you know they they, they don't speak the language anymore and, and that sort of stuff so uh i started uh, i was thinking of my own cousins like they are they're pretty uh proud to be ukrainian but they don't speak ukrainian at all so like singing songs in ukrainian didn't mean as much to them so i tried writing 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 some of my own songs that talked about ukrainian stuff but but I wrote the songs in English so that it would, so, you know, it would have some meaning for them. And so, like, the Giants of the Prairies, I don't know if you're familiar with this. We have a few of these things in Newfoundland, like uh, some towns, but certainly in Western Canada, there's lots of them. Many small towns, like, in order to, uh, you know, bring some attention to the town, they, they put up a giant monument of, like, what the town's famous for, you know, uh-huh. that kind of thing. So. So uh, many of the towns there have all these big, huge statues, and uh, one of them is a giant, like, uh, Ukrainian Easter egg. It's, like, the largest Easter egg in the world or something. And then another town has, like, the world's largest like, Ukrainian sausage and, and stuff like that. So, uh, <laughs> so that, song was, that song was about that. And, you know, CBC's done a few shows now where they've traveled across Canada uh, documenting the big stuff in in different places and they've often used our song you know for, for that many times and and the one about bill mozienko he was a hockey player he was born in winnipeg and i actually knew him like he lived a few blocks from where i grew up as a kid oh, wow. and uh yeah and he has uh he still has it's probably one hockey record that will never be broken like you know Wayne Gretzky had so many records that people thought would never be broken, but some other players are coming up close to him now. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Bill Mozienko in in 1953, uh, uh, 52, year 52, sorry, 52, he, uh, he scored the fastest hat trick, so three goals in 21 seconds. Wow. And, uh, yeah, which is, like, nearly impossible to, to have, yeah, have that happen again. And... Um, I was reading a book about uh, it was like a, a, a hockey history book. Like it was a different stuff, you know, that happened, and, uh, you know, and and had a story about uh, Bill, and it told like who was involved in all the other goals, like who passed the puck to him and stuff like that. And so I took all of that stuff and made a song out of that. And <clears throat> at the time, one of my neighbors 
uh, works at the CBC, and he had just done a show with Ron McLean, who was on Hockey Night in Canada at the time. Mm-hmm. And so she, she, she heard her song, and I said, let's, you know, is there some way we could get this to the producers or something? And, and uh, sure enough, uh, she gave us a hand getting it to them. And uh, and uh, on that night, it happened just happened to work out that uh, the March 23rd was a Saturday night that year. And so at the very beginning of the hockey broadcast, they had an old films of, uh, of Bill, uh, you know, during the hockey game and had our song playing in the background and stuff. So that was a pretty big show for a hockey fan like me. So. <laughs> <laughs> just a quick, quick, just a quick question now. Um, who's your favorite uh, team uh, that you like to watch? Oh, it changes around. When I was a kid, I mean, there were fewer teams, you know, back in the day. I'm, I'm not a young man anymore. So <laughs> I used to. I used to, I used to cheer for the Montreal Canadiens for yeah. years, and then and then uh, and so they still have a soft spot in my heart. But uh, you know, Winnipeg got a hockey team, and I was living in Winnipeg, so I had to cheer for Winnipeg for oh, a while. Nice, and then, nice. And then I moved to Edmonton, and I actually lived there for a long time. And but I came to Edmonton after their glory days, like when they were doing poorly, which has been for the last. <laughs> so well, I always like to cheer for the cheer yeah. for the underdogs. So I kept hoping they would get better, and finally they're starting to get better. So in the last number of years, I've been following Edmonton Edmonton as much as possible. As well. mm-hmm. And um, of course, they have two of the best players in the world right now: in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And McDavid's oh, on God, a absolute tear. I mean, sixty goals in just a a few amount of games that Austin Matthews did it last season. I mean, dude's on yeah. another planet right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's, I mean, nice. They've, they've suffered for a long time with bad teams. So, nice. They're finally going to so, do a little better, hopefully. So, is Edmonton <laughs> still your favorite team, uh, Brian? I, I I wouldn't pick a favorite, but I follow them more carefully just because I keep reading the news from Edmonton. So, uh, I know, you know, I, I follow that team more than any other one, I guess. Usually. All right. So, let's actually go to 2008. Um it was a very uh, big year for you guys uh, with that iteration that you've had uh, up until 2011. So 2008, you've played uh, some Ukrainian music festivals, one in Dolphin, Manitoba, and uh, one in Ontario. But you also play concerts in uh, cities uh, Lviv and Kiev in Ukraine. Now, of course, uh, you know, having roots uh, in Ukraine uh, with your family growing up there, what did it mean to you to play uh, the music that you really uh, built the Kubasonics around in front of... Uh, uh, U- U- Ukrainian people. Well, that was super exciting. When we played in uh, Kiev, so the capital city of Ukraine, uh, I actually had played in a festival in Toronto the previous year, and one of the biggest rock stars in Ukraine, his name is Lech Skripka, and he plays in a band. I won't say the long name of it. The short name is VV. So you might you could look up VV at some point, and you'll see his band there. And, uh, and and he, he was one of the main organizers of a giant festival in, in, in Ukraine as well. Kind of at the time, it was like one of the biggest things. And it mixed traditional folk music and kind of modern folk music. So bands that were ta- doing exactly the same thing that I was doing. Oh, wow. Doing it in Ukraine. Yeah. And so he had seen me playing in Toronto and invited me to play in two different kinds of uh, venues. So on one stage, we played with our band and played like our sort of mishmash of like Ukrainian plus Canadian style music. And then on a different stage, 
I was playing by myself, playing traditional music from like 300 years ago, the way it used to be played a lot, you know, back way back when. And so it was a great excitement to play with, you know, the huge, like all the big stars of Ukraine were at that festival and we got to know them. And then uh, in view, we played at another festival. There was a band from view that had been touring in Canada and uh, I helped them out a couple of times when they were in Alberta. And so then they invited us to come be part of their festival in view, which is the biggest city in Western Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was nice to do that. And we played some other places between those two spots, like just small clubs, uh, you know, and also <laughs> we also played in the village that my great grandparents came from. Oh wow! So we went there. We went there, and we actually played. You know, it's a small place, so we just had a, a concert actually in someone's house, but it was you know full of people, and and they really enjoyed it, and so that was a great thrill, you know, just to come and be able to do that as well. Wow, that is incredible. Now, um, 2011 was actually your 15th anniversary concert. You held it at the Queen Alex Hall in Edmonton. But it would be the last Kubasonic show you would do at that time before you made the move to St. John's. So uh, why stop there uh, 15 years deep into the Kubasonic? So why make the stop right then and there? <laughs> well, my wife got a job here at Mon, and so we're, we're planning to move to Newfoundland. And so, you know, that was, I, I really didn't know what what I would do when I got to this end. And, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that there's not really a Ukrainian population here, didn't know if I'd be doing this kind of music or if I just play. Because even when I lived in Edmonton, I played in other bands as well. Like I played in a, you know, a couple of other types of different kinds of music there. So I figured I'll just get here and, you know, figure out, figure out something different. But then uh, uh, once we got here, you know, I would go and occasionally play Say, for example, like at Folk Night at the Ship, uh, you know, they usually have a open mic section, you know, in between the main shows of Folk Night. So I came there and played, uh, you know, on different weirdo instruments of my own. <laughs> and people got a chance <laughs> to see what it was. And so some folks started asking me, oh, yeah, could you come and play this or come and play that? And it was, it was you know, little by little, folks got to know what, what it was that I was doing. Uh-huh. And, uh, same kind of thing happened. I got invited to play by myself here at a show. Uh, it was on George Street. It was like some kind of a fundraising show. And uh, again, I said, hey, do you mind if I bring a whole band? And they said, no, go ahead. And so I got, uh, you know, twisted a few items of people that I knew from other bands and they came and played with me. And, and that was kind of the start of getting this going again. And then when Maria moved to... Uh, Newfoundland because she was going to university in Western Canada and so she came to Mun to do her ba- uh, master's degree that's when we started all this up again sort of on a more regular basis mm-hmm. yeah absolutely now um, 2011 again you made that move to St. John's and uh, you've really been here ever since and uh, we're glad to have you here Ryan um, so are there any other deciding factors that really uh, drew you here to St. John's well it's a great place but I mean uh, having a good job is always a deciding factor. Right. So, you know, uh, MUN is known as, you know, this is one of the biggest folklore programs in North America. So it was it was uh, a great to be able for my wife to be able to get a job here and, uh, you know, great for her career. And also, uh, I, I, I actually, that's what I used to do before I left here as well. My, my 
the graduate degrees are also in folklore. So uh, I've occasionally done a tiny bit of stuff, like to help out with the need of a hand with something, you know. In, in, but I don't, I don't work full time there. And uh, uh, but you know, nice to be involved in a kind of a few different things. I mean, you only knew a couple of people here. I mean, connected to the uh, man, and but got to meet and make lots of new friends really quickly through music. So it's you know this that was one thing I knew about St. John's from before is that it's a great place for live music and a great community and and people were sure nice to us when we got here and we really appreciated that. Yeah, totally. Now, uh, a few years later after you moved, uh, 2015 was when you reformed the Cubasonics with a lineup that you really have stuck with for about a decade. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. when you originally reformed it, Paul Benstead was part of your group um, with the clarinet and sax, but um, the, the core lineup that you really have uh, maintained uh, since 2015 is yourself, Maria, and Jacob Cherwick, along with Matt Hender mm-hmm. and uh, Darren Booby Brown. Now, uh, of course... Uh, how does it feel to have like such a very tight group, uh, and have you guys have you guys played together for uh, eight or so years or whatnot? Um, how does it feel to you know have that consistent lineup uh, together for that long? Well, that's great. I mean, I don't know how much you follow other bands, but like often bands don't last for more than a few years, and so to have this go on for this length of time, it's it's super great. And you know, having the same people and having people that are so good at what they do, like I mean. Well, I just had this recently. We were playing at a, we played at an event. It was at the Holy Heart Theater just last month. You know, and someone was watching us play it and they said, how did you get all of these guys? You know, how'd you convince them to play with you? And I said, I don't know, but I'm happy that they did because, you know, Darren and Matt are certainly like really well known in their community and they're playing a whole lot of different things and they're so great at what they do. And uh, Jacob and Maria both, you know, over the years have developed into really good musicians themselves. So we have, I think I'm, I'm super lucky to have like all those people working with me. Then. And, and we're also, apart from that, you know, we kind of, everybody likes all kinds of different kinds of music. So it's easy for us to try different things. And, and all of us are just became really good friends as well. So. Uh-huh. I mean, two of them have no choice because they're my kids, so they have to listen to what I say. But, uh, but I mean, it's still also still nice that all uh-huh. of us, you know, you know, I don't know if, how much you know about you know, bands on the road. Like you're stuck in a car for weeks at a time, or you have to, you know, sleep all sleep in the same room sometimes, depending on where you end up or whatever. Uh-huh. But we're, you know, we're all everybody pulls together, and we all kind of share the share the work and. It's, it's, it's nice that it works out like that. You know, there's, there's lots of bands who fall apart. You know, they, they're good bands, but the, but the personalities don't, don't mix sometimes or that type of thing, but we don't have that. Like everybody's, uh-huh. everybody's uh, you know, we're, they're, they're great musicians and they're great people, so I'm, I'm, I'm a lucky guy. <laughs> I would imagine so. And, um, of course, uh, you mentioned those five members. I mean, uh, Darren Booby Brown, uh, of course, uh, Giggs, uh, across the city uh plays in a number of bands here in town of course matt hender uh he released a great solo album uh, about a year or t- two ago and he also came from the long distance runners uh playing with the, the likes of chris pico and of course jacob Cherbrick's making some noise in the uh punk rock scene with his band swimming and also uh 
doing some albums for some other uh, local punk bands here. And Maria's really established herself in the uh, country and uh, folk genres. She released an album that won a Celtic traditional uh, recording of the year at the Music and L Awards. And she also plays with Flower Hill and um, the Old Contemporaries. And uh, you yourself, um, not not only do you play with the Kubasonics, you also uh, play keys for Sherry Ryan. So how did the uh, partnership with Sherry Ryan uh, come to be? <laughs> That's actually uh, also a Kubasonic thing, so... It was, it, the, the, like I mentioned, one of those first shows that we played together, and I, I can't remember how I convinced Darren to come and play with me at that show, but he did. And then it was not long after that, my birthday came up, and he, like, you know, if you're on, on social media, like a few of those platforms tell remind people when your birthday is, mm-hmm. and his birthday is the same as mine. So we have, we have to say it's the same birthday. And so he, he was saying, happy birthday, and it's my birthday, too. And I said, oh, we should get together and celebrate together someday. He said, well, we're having a party. you want to come to it? I said, sure. <laughs> and, it was, uh, and so I came there, and it was a room full of musicians all playing music, you know, just have, having a nice evening of music. And, uh, and I was playing, I was playing the accordion, and there was a piano in the room. I played the piano a bit. And after that, Sherry invited me to come play it. She had some show on his own. She said, oh, I need somebody to play this. So it started from that. And I actually, there's another band I play in. We haven't played recently since the, since the COVID time, but there's another fellow, Sean Murray, who has a band called The Shiny Buttons. And he was at that same event too. And so I play in his band sometimes as well. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, um, your first album uh, here uh, in Newfoundland was 2017's Coob Funland, and it was your first album to feature music entirely in Ukrainian. So uh, when it came to uh, the music you released before, you, you released uh, English uh, music, but also uh, they were talking about like Ukrainian uh, facts and uh, historical figures. But this album here was the very first one that was done entirely in Ukrainian. How important was that to you and the band to really, you know, to find uh, the, Kubis- the modern Kubasonic sound? Well, I'll tell you, that was also an uh, influence of our, of our Newfoundland fans. So Darren and Matt both, you know, the first couple times we played, we kind of just went, you know, and played some of the songs off of those old records that I had made before. And they said, you know, these are good songs, but, you know, they were there about stuff that in people in Western Canada would recognize and people in Newfoundland probably wouldn't recognize at all. So it's not as, like they're not as funny or their messages and get across the same way. And then in some of those, I purposely made them sound like other kinds of music. Like, uh-huh. you know, a couple of them are, you know, they made, I made them sound like a like country song because country music's popular in Western Canada. But I was talking about, Ukrainian stuff in that country song, or I made it sound like a rock song. You know, I said, well, anybody could play country or rock music, but not anybody else in Newfoundland could play traditional Ukrainian music. So why don't yeah. we play more of that kind of we'll play more of that stuff? And so that's how we gravitated towards that direction. Like, you know, focus more on music that some of it's more complicated, old kind of Ukrainian music. Some of it, like, a lot of times it's based on. I'll have a tune that I can play on, like it works well on one of the instruments that I play. So then let's start with this and then build out from that. So they're so they all kind of kind of come from that type of thing. And so it was really you know collaborative influence of everybody in the band saying, okay, let's let's go in this direction instead of 
you know, sort of more like what different from what we were doing before. Anyway. Yeah, and uh, it really paid off, and uh, you really got uh, some great critical acclaim, and I believe you received a couple of awards uh, during that time as well. Award nods and award uh, wins, too. But um, around that same year, you were selected to travel as part of Spain. Uh, you traveled to uh, Port of Spain, I should say, uh, as well as Trinidad and Tobago as part of the Club One New Releases television program. Uh, what was that like for you and the band? Oh, it was great. Again, I'd say like that getting selected for that was the, the the biggest what do you call it step up for us so you know up until then we had been playing locally in town and and people have been coming to the shows and enjoying the music and all of that and uh and that that like being selected for that there was a bit of a competition for that so you had to you know audition and they had they only picked a handful of groups in fact there was only like six groups from all of atlantic canada so, like, from all four Atlantic provinces, they picked six groups, and we were one of the six that they chose to go down there. And so, I mean, that was, first of all, super cool that they that they picked us because they thought it would be, you know, that, that we would be a good thing, good fit for the program. But then what was also great is once we got there, they paired us up with a band. Our band was from Trinidad. So they did the same thing in, in the Caribbean area, like, from the different countries there, like, uh, Trinidad, uh, Barbados, the St. Lucia, like all these other countries around there, they picked six of those groups as well. So our the group we were mixed together with was from Trinidad itself. And so what the deal was, was we were supposed to play music together. So take some of their music and some of our music and see how we can make it fit. And and those guys were such great musicians. And their thing fit really, really well with us. And also, they really liked the fact that we were playing, you know, like kind of interesting, unusual stuff. It wasn't just like straightforward, you know, because while some of the other bands went, we were, you know, like your average kind of pop music or rock music or that kind of thing. You know, it's they're all good, but it's but it's but ours was like a little bit, a little bit out of the box, outside the box, I guess. You know, yeah. And so those guys liked it because it felt like more kind of playing jazz music or something like it's not jazz, but it had like different time signatures or we played some weird, weird patterns in there. And I, I know those guys really appreciate doing that stuff. So <laughs> we, you know, we kept up doing that. And then, and then, and then those, those folks came to Newfoundland a few months later and we did the same thing again here. Wow. And so, yeah, so it was great. And, and then on, on the second time, what we did was we tried writing, some songs together so we could come up with the like, original ideas and and mix that stuff together and um, and 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 <laughs> when we made our last record like the one that just came out recently uh we actually got them to play one of the songs that we had done together they they that's on that record and and they're all playing on it as well oh wow yeah that's awesome now so it was that was that was one of the only good things about COVID is that all musicians were kind of locked up inside. So those fellows are all really busy musicians and traveling all over the place as well, but they were all mm -hmm. stuck at home. So we could get in, you know, we recorded the kind of basic part of the music here and then sent it to them. And then they added all the parts that they had played before on top. Nice. On top and around all of that. So yeah, again, it, it just really made the whole thing sound way way you know much bigger and much different so. yeah and that's the beauty of uh you know that kind of era where you were all talking to each other on zoom and stuff 
you and it really goes to show how far technology has come uh, when it comes to the music industry. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know if people still, uh, you know, go into studios these days and, uh, you know, lock themselves in for like, say, uh, a week or two weeks or so and then record an album straight there. But it's come to a point where you can sh- you can talk on Zoom, you can come up with ideas for a song, and they can also like record uh, certain tracks uh, from your home office because like it really has come to a point where you really don't need to be into a studio anymore. Uh, sometimes it depends how you do it. Like I certainly for our last record, we we uh, wanted to be in the studio because uh, the, the music we play is again you, know, you mentioned that at the top of the thing. It's kind of based on the energy, like of what happens on the stage, yeah. all that sort of stuff. And we've done records before where you kind of do it in bits and pieces, and somehow you don't feel the energy in the recording. And so we were lucky; we actually uh, did our recording at the CBC Studios here in St. John's. Oh wow! And so we so we could all be in one room, like the same as when we're playing at a show. I mean, some of us were in a little smaller room, but we could see each other through the window and stuff. Yeah, like that. but we all but all five of us played at the same time. So it was like playing a live show or parts of, you know, the main, the main uh, core of the song, we all played together. So you could get that feeling. You could, you could play, you know, we feel if somebody goes in one direction, you can follow them there and all that sort of stuff. So it really helped capture the, the energy of oh, yeah. how we, how we usually play much better than previous methods. Uh-huh. And uh, I'll just go back to that point of saying like, you're not used, like there's, like sometime there are some situations where you may not need to go into a studio anymore, but um at the same time like the studio now is not the only option you can have. You can really record a whole album from your house and really just you know go through various Zoom calls or hell even have them go come over to your place and record there as well. Like uh, there's multiple options now to really record an album in this day and age. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and that is nice that it gives you more more freedom to try different things with it. Uh-huh. Now, but sometimes uh, the good old ways is sometimes still the best. <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah. Now, um, 2018, uh, that following year, you uh, released a, a Christmas slash holiday album, Winter Carols. Now, uh, I want to highlight uh, what are what are some of the similarities and the differences are there to uh, Ukrainian carols versus ones that we normally would hear in North America? Well, two things, and that's why it's called Winter Carols instead of Christmas Carols, because um, some of the songs that Ukrainians sing, they're, they're uh, based on Christmas stuff, you know what I mean? Like, the same kind of thing, they tell the Christmas story of Bethlehem and all that sort of thing, right? Huh. But we also have winter carols that are sung more in the New Year's time, so uh, um, in Ukraine they have a tradition of people going, same, it's almost the same as the mummering tradition here in Newfoundland. People dress up in costumes, and you try and make it look like you're not who you are. So, you know, uh, boys dress as women and women as men, as they say in the mummer song. They do the same thing in Ukraine. and Or dress up like animals or all kinds of things like that. And uh, when you go from house to house, uh, certain songs, actually, like people used to believe that the, the words that you said in a song or in a poem had magic powers. And what you were singing about could actually make something happen. Mm-hmm. And so these songs would come, you'd come to someone's house and you sing them songs that wish them like good luck for the next year, a good harvest if they're farmers, uh, if there's young people that are of marrying age, oh, we hope you find a good partner and maybe you'll get married this year or something like that. And, uh, you know, 
uh, again, lots of people don't know too many, you know, if you're not familiar with too many Ukrainian songs, probably almost everybody's heard the Ukrainian song that sounds like, you hear that at Christmas time. And it's actually a Ukrainian winter carol that says in, to, the, to the master of the house, uh, we wish you a good harvest. Uh, your wife is the most beautiful woman in the village. Your kids are the smartest. We hope that your animals will will grow the biggest, but you'll have, you know, all, all the best things in your year. Okay, that, that's wicked. And, um, of course, uh, you wouldn't release uh, anything uh, up until 2022, but 2022 was also a very dark day, uh, not only for uh, the people of Ukraine, but really it changed the, the way the really the world worked uh, up until now really and still going today um russia uh, unleashed a what would they call a special military operation but we all know it's a, an invasion of ukraine um and uh, that was a really dark day uh i'd imagine for you and uh, the rest of your family so uh tell me a little bit about uh what went through your mind that day uh the day vladimir putin announced his intentions to uh uh you know conduct a special mil- military operation in ukraine but really uh what we all know now like tell me about that day uh February 24th, and what went through your mind that day when uh, Russia invaded Ukraine? Well, it was, as you can imagine, horrible. First of all, uh, because of the time difference, you know, like we're, Ukraine's about five or six hours ahead of us in time. So uh, it was late at night for us, and we were just, you know, getting ready to go to bed and checking the news from Ukraine. Because, I mean, up until that time, uh, the Russians had been already uh, amassing troops on the borders of Ukraine, trying to do this, you know, scare tactics. And people were wondering, will they actually invade or will they not? And then sure enough, on that particular day, that's when he announced that they were doing that. And tanks started crossing the border. And, you know, my wife had to phone her, her parents and wake them up and tell them, uh, look at uh, uh, the, the Russians are attacking you. And, and at the time, we didn't know where, which part of the country they would actually get to. And certainly in the first few days, they got to like all, almost all parts of the country. Uh, you know, it kind of said that the tactics of the war changed a little bit over time. And, and certainly like they, their, even their expectations were different that Russia thought they would overtake Ukraine in a few days and didn't realize, first of all, A, Ukrainian people wouldn't stand for that. And B, that they were, you know, that they're not going to give up. So it's unfortunately been dragging on for longer. And, uh, but thankfully with the help of, you know, partners from all many countries, other countries of the world who are supporting Ukraine, they're, they've been able to hold, hold things off and, uh, and hopefully, you know, you know, people will get their country back. Yeah. And hopefully, uh, that, does happen um and of course there was massive support from people uh from uh, the western countries and uh just from like weapons to uh aid and stuff it really goes to show like of course uh the russian president uh or russian dictator vladimir putin um thought ukraine would fall in a couple of days but here we are like a year or two into this war and uh one thing i think we've all learned about ukraine is that uh you're a resilient bunch you don't give up yeah, well, I mean, uh, of all the terrible stuff that's happening, you know, people being pushed out of their homes and having their cities destroyed and and people dying and all of that, a, a few good things that have happened out of this is that 
finally the world knows where Ukraine is. Like, I mean, up until now, up until last year, if I was telling people I'm from, you know, we'll play music from Ukraine, I always had to show them a map or try to describe where it was. or And they had no clue that, like, because Russia is such a huge country and it dominates in the news cycle, you know, you hear a lot about Russia all the time. And the Russians are really good at their own propaganda. So they would say things and people would believe it and not understand that Ukraine is a separate place and it has its own culture. And in fact, it existed before Russia did. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, when Mr. Putin attacked, one of the things he was saying is Ukraine is not a real place. And Ukrainian language isn't the real language, and they don't really have a culture. And so, you know, as I mentioned before, like our music is pretty much upbeat and happy music for the most part. And uh, I kind of felt bad playing that kind of music at first, you know, with war going on. But at the same time saying, look, here's a part of, this is a part of the culture. Like this is the music that my grandparents play at weddings or whatever, that kind of thing. So how could how could you say there's no it, this culture doesn't exist. Like it's existed in Canada for 120 years. Never mind in Ukraine for like thousands of years. So uh, uh, you know, finally the world gets to see where the lies are coming from and where the truths are. I guess yeah. you know that kind of thing. And also seeing, look at by the way, here's all kinds of stuff. Like Ukrainians have been like that all that is one of the reasons why the government of Canada was asking Ukrainians to come be farmers in Western Canada because they went there and saw what kind of farms they had and said, look at these people, this is the kind of folks who could come in and, and uh, you know, do the work that we need done in Canada. And, and uh, one of the jobs I had before coming to Newfoundland, I worked for a museum in, in Alberta that, that was uh, talking about how Western Canada was settled. And, you know, the, the work that Ukrainian settlers did uh, in the late 19th and early 20th century, you know, they came to the to those parts of Canada, had to, you know, clear the land, uh, in many cases, like clear forests to put up farmland, uh, uh, you know, go through rough conditions, all of that. And, and they, they, they worked hard and they survived and they, they helped make, you know, make that part of our country what it is now. And so, you know, now people are saying, yeah, they're doing that in their own country as well. You know, people hear, again, the propaganda you hear is, oh, well, their government is corrupt. Yes, their government was corrupt, or some people in their government w- were like that, but not everybody. And, you know, for the most part, people are, like, innovative, hardworking, uh, and, and thankfully the rest of the world is getting to see that. And also seeing... You know, besides stuff that we do, like now other groups from Ukraine are being recognized. You know, a group from Ukraine won the Eurovision contest, you know, recently. And, uh, uh, you know, other groups from Ukraine are touring the world. Because, I mean, one of the things Ukraine's government is saying is, look, at, let's, let's let our culture go out beyond our borders so people see more than just war and, you know, bad stuff. Let them see the good stuff that our country uh, produces as well so that you know that's another way to kind of help garner support uh-huh yeah for sure um now over the past year yourself uh, and the rest of your family and the band itself you've become real ambassadors for ukrainian culture here in town and uh you've actually helped out uh many uh ukrainian refugees really 
get comfortable with, uh, you know, because, of course, they were fleeing um, the war-driven Ukraine uh, to, you know, make make a new start here uh, in Newfoundland. Um, what does that mean for you to, you know, use your uh, platform to, you know, be a, a help to uh, brand new uh, newcomers, especially from Ukraine, you know, help uh, be more comfortable uh, living here in St. John's? Yeah, uh uh, to be honest with you, Zach, like I have less, like I'm doing some work with newcomers, but not as much as other people are doing. As I said, like we still have people in Ukraine that we're trying to help out. So we're kind of focused more on that. And I'll tell you honestly, like what I was more concerned about doing was uh, helping the the people in Newfoundland understand more about Ukraine and what those people will need when they get here. Uh-huh. And, you know, like one of the things we say, like the folks that were, uh, that have arrived here. I mean, it's unfortunate for them that they have to leave their homes and stuff, but also they're safe here. Like no one's shooting at them. And so like they'll, they'll figure out how to, how to get themselves. And many of them have already, I mean, you, I'm sure you've seen in the news, people started new businesses and they've started new, uh, you know, all kinds of other things and, and they'll be getting established here and, that, and that's great. And so, you know, it's kind of a bit of balancing between helping folks get settled here, but also, you know, still keeping keeping an eye on what's happening over there. And, uh, you know, there's still, like, young children that are, have no place to live. Like, the school's been bombed, their orphanages bombed, hospitals bombed, like, all that sort of stuff. And so, uh-huh. you know, we've been, we've had, you know, we've had a few shows where we did, you know, fundraising efforts and they, and those, and that money mostly went to let's get hospital supplies, let's get food to people like those kinds of things. And, 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 uh, you know, our families helped out others, other groups, like other bands in other parts of Canada that had shows. And, you know, we either got attached to them online, you know, sometimes they were online concerts where we, we played a few songs or something like that, you know, and there, and those, and the money that they raised went to do things like, buy ambulances or buy trucks to help move uh, supplies or that, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, most of our efforts been more, more in that kind of direction. So, yeah. I am involved with the, like we started a cultural group here in town. So it's a, it's a, you know, a before, <laughs> before, before the war time, there was only a handful of Ukrainians here, uh, you know, besides my own family. And I used to say a joke, like, People in the Westwood, Western Canada, ask me, "Is there lots of Ukrainians in this land?" I say, "Yeah, they all live in my house," but <laughs> that wasn't actually true. Oh wow! And, you know, and it's certainly not true now. But uh, but we, uh, you know, we, we, uh, some other local folks, so Ukrainians from other parts of Canada, like me, and some Ukrainians that just arrived from Ukraine. So we got together and we formed a cultural organization. So we, you know done some events like we put together uh we had a event you know for the opinion independence day on george street and we've had a couple rallies at the confederation building you know for different kind of political events and uh and uh, you know government in newfoundland uh, just passed a decree last month so they were recognizing you know people probably are not aware of that in newfoundland but in the 1930s in ukraine so this war that's happening now is not the first time the russians have attacked ukraine it's We've been doing it for hundreds of years. Oh, in yeah. the nineteen thirties, in the nineteen thirties, when the Soviet government was trying to take over the country, one of the things they did was try to starve out the farmers 
and create collective farms. And, you know, several million people were died, died of forced starvation. Uh, it's a thing called the whole the more, which means a death by starvation. So wow. uh, just last month, the, the, the government in Newfoundland, like governments in other parts of Canada and the Canadian government, they recognize this as a genocide, you know, of one country trying to eliminate another race of people. So, you know, we see that happening over and over again. And uh, fortunately now, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because of the circumstances, but fortunately the people are at least looking at the past history and see how it repeats itself and sure hope that it's, you know, we learn our lesson and do better in the future. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. But um, at, yeah, like uh, it's, crazy to believe like uh i I, i've honestly learned so much about ukraine just from the past year itself just you know just from what i've seen on the news and especially what you and maria and the rest of the kubasonics have you know talked about and uh i know what slava ukraini means of course it means glory to ukraine and uh Mm -hmm. you say it now every time you're uh, at one of your concerts because you really want to get people on your side and just uh let people know about like there's a war happening right now and uh Hopefully, uh, Ukraine does win this war and peace is restored to that country and they, they can rebuild. Yeah, and also, you know, you just want people to not forget because when it first happens, it's in everybody's attention. And as it goes on, you know, other horrible stuff happens or other great stuff happens in the world. And their news, TV news and our radio news gets gets drawn to an, a new story. And uh, But this story hasn't stopped yet. So that's why we want to just keep talking about it because, you know, Stuff like, you know, still asking our federal government to continue to whatever, uh, put more sanctions on the, you know, that make it more difficult for the Russians to produce weapons or, you know, any of these kinds of things. To continue support, they're all, they're all you know, you don't want that stop. So that's mm. kind of why we, we still keep talking about it, even though it's uncomfortable. Uh, you know, you have to bring it up from time to time. Yeah, for sure. Now, um, at that same year, you did release uh, your uh, first album uh, of a uh, new original material, aside from your Christmas album, in five years. That would be Cuba uh, Songs, which ended up getting you Folk uh, Music Artist of the Year. And uh, I remember uh, being in Cornerbrook that night, the ov- standing ovation uh, you guys got. Of course, you weren't there, and I don't think Matt was there that night. But just seeing this ovation that uh, Darren, uh, Maria, and Jacob got that night, it was so wonderful to see and i was honestly rooting for you to get that award that year but um that award now that uh, album i should say now has uh gotten you two more ecma nominations and the guy who designed the album judd haynes received a juno nomination now uh, i want to go back to uh what recording that album was like and uh that cover as well because i talked about this with judd in the past uh what was the process of recording kuba songs like yeah again we had a number of different difficulties during that because we started recording that, as I mentioned to you, like at the CBC studios working all together. And then, you know, uh, for those who are familiar with the recording process, sometimes, you know, you record the main part of a song and then, and then there's additional parts that you want to add to that song, like say another instrument or, you know, another voice singing another part. And, and I also mentioned we had guests that were playing on this record and stuff like that. So uh, we, we recorded the first bit. We were uh, scheduled to go back to do the next round of stuff. And uh, much like today's weather, we ended up with our good old friend of the snowmageddon. And so 
you know, everything was shut down and we couldn't do what we needed to do. And so the snow started to clear away and we, we scheduled more recording time. And then we got another surprise named COVID. And so then that kind of made stuff difficult to do. So it took us a long time to finish it off because because of the COVID circumstances, we couldn't get together ourselves. And then our producer also, like, you know, we couldn't get together with him to do the recording stuff. So it took several, it, it took a long time just to get all the parts uh, actually, you know, recorded. And then I mentioned our friends from Trinidad, uh, they sing on one of our songs, uh, I sing and play. We also have two songs that we did with groups from Ukraine. So on one of them, we have... Uh, we were talking about the city of Lviv earlier, which is in western Ukraine. It's actually like one of the cultural hotbeds in Ukraine. Like all kinds of really interesting art and music and theater and all kinds of stuff comes out of Lviv. And um, and and we've made a lot of friends and musicians there. So one of our songs, uh, we got many of the stars of their local music team to sing on that song. And so it took a while to get them together so they could do their parts, and then. There's another song that we did with a band that we actually played in shows together with when we were touring in Ukraine in 2017. And uh, so they play on one song together with us. So by the time we did all of that and then piece all things together, you know, it, it took longer than we would have liked it to have taken. So unfortunately, but it, we're sure happy with how it turned out in the end. And then, and then I mean, you mentioned Judd and his artwork. And that was such a long, painstaking process. Again, it's only because of COVID that we were able to do this, you know, because Judd's usually so busy that he, you know, he's, he's doing so many projects for different groups all over North America. And uh, because of COVID, all of those things kind of slowed down. And he had this idea, and uh, he had pitched it to a number of other bands, and they all thought, nah, it's too much work. And uh, and I was crazy enough to say, yeah, it's too much work, but you know what? Let's try it anyway. <laughs> so, uh-huh. You know, between he and I, we got together and we discussed, like, what kind of elements. You know, I talked, uh, talked to him about all the songs uh, that were on the record and what they were all about. And we came up with a bunch of images that could go into the final kind of design of that. Like, you know, different things. From, there's something from every song. If you look at the cover in there. And then, uh, and then he came up with this idea. He didn't. He it was surprised to him. Judd's been doing uh, making art that's made out of cut paper. So basically, what he does is takes different colors of paper and cuts. You know, instead of drawing or painting something, let's say whatever, if you had a blue background and then you wanted a yellow sun on it, instead of painting that sun, he would cut it out of paper. And uh, and that's actually a traditional kind of art form in Ukraine. My wife's grandmother used to be an expert at that, like doing that paper cutting. Okay. And uh, yeah, and one of my one of my friends, actually one of the musicians that sings on one of our songs, his wife is like famous. Like she she does that and has art shows like in quote she was been in Korea, in Japan, in France, and whatever, like showing her art that she makes out of paper cutting. So Judd was excited to hear that it was, you know, something that he was interested in doing has a connection to Ukrainian art as well. And then and then and then we uh, we came up with that cover and his uh, his idea, which we were super excited about too, was to make the booklet on the front so that, you know, if it's closed you see the whole picture 
But if you open it up, it, it, it opens up an insider little bits that you don't see if the whole book was closed. So there's little surprises. Every page that you open has a surprise that you can't see when the whole thing's closed. So, so uh, it, it turned out, you know, it took him, it took him months and months. Like after he cut the original one and we photographed that to make the, the records that won't have a booklet on them and to make CDs as well and that sort of stuff. Then he had to go and, and cut by hand every other booklet, and we made a hundred of those. So he had to cut each one, one after another, and, and you know, glue and staple them and whatever. And then, and then we, once he had the booklet things, I was gluing them onto the records here at my place and stuff. So it took a long time to, to manufacture, but uh, again, like it, as you mentioned, like he got, again, dual nomination for that. Uh, he was excited just to get the nomination because that of that process. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but like when when people send in their their records for consideration, like there's usually hundreds of things that get sent in. And uh, in his case, uh, like for the design category, it's other designers who choose who the five nominees will be. So it's you know professionals from his field who understand art and the design process and look at the value of that. And, and, uh, and, and those are the people who thought that this work was worthy of a nomination. And then once it gets to the picking the final, you know, award thing, it goes out more to people in the industry. So it's not all design people. It's also, you know, producers and musicians and whatever else. So, uh, it's, he was super happy that the people that know, understand his, the work that he had to do for that, they're the people that, that chose our, mm-hmm. our product, you know, chose our record as one of the nominees. We actually did the same thing for the Grammy process, like a designer from, uh, from the United States, because the, the Grammys have a different kind of, uh, a different kind of system. And I actually sent, my brother's an artist as well, he's in Los Angeles, so, uh, you know, I sent him one of our records and I told him that we were going to apply for a Juno Award, and he said, you should apply for a Grammy Award. And I said, well, geez, let's look into the thing, and you actually need somebody that's on the, uh, within that Grammy organization to nominate you. Like, you can't nominate yourself, but, uh, but a designer that judged you, uh, we contacted him, and uh, when he saw what the work was, and then he listened to our record, he said, "Oh, I love this record. Yeah, I was glad to nominate you for this." Wow! So, so he put the process in. We never did get the nomination because you know you're going from a much wider pool. But but we actually did go through all the work of doing it, and it was pretty exciting on the day that we thought, "Oh, maybe we got a chance for that." But you know, so it's nice that uh, somebody down there, like again, from a from a larger larger pool of people recognized that it was something where you know making efforts to go through the work of, mm-hmm. of helping us you know make that nomination that is crazy now um just over the next few months uh what's next for you guys uh any other uh, important events coming up that we should uh, know about well uh again like all of us mentioned like busy playing other kinds of music and doing other things and so it's uh Unless you have like a big project ready to go, it's, it's hard to get everybody together doing stuff. We'll have a few shows locally, so we're going to be playing. Uh, we have a show coming up in April here in town, and then uh, a few other things 
over the summer, like out around the rural Newfoundland, we'll be out going that way. And uh, certainly we're going to Halifax uh, for the ECMA, so we're playing a couple of showcase events out at the ECMA. And uh, we'll see how we do on, <laughs> how we do on the awards. But uh, once you get to that thing, like, you know, having an award thing is not really important. It's more getting there and having people see what you do and having people from your field, you know, recognize that Absolutely. you're doing something interesting. You know, that's whether you win or not, it's not important. And they're not, not really too concerned about all that sort of stuff. You know, uh-huh. nice to nice that people actually recognize what you're doing. And, 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 you know, for us, it's, it's great to have other people, you know, who, you know, we're happy. Like when you play a show and the audience is all excited, that's great. But then it's also a, like additional kind of thing. If people who are looking at it more critically, see something else that say the, some of the audience, you know, they they might miss something, and and somebody says, "Oh, look at you did this kind of nice to nice to hear people you know recognize those things as well." Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, any plans to be up the uh, East Coast Music Awards uh, in May in Halifax? Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, we're going to be out there, so we're we're playing actually two shows during the East Coast Music Awards. Uh, one of them is uh, is a big event, like right after the actual award ceremony itself. Like we usually have. We have a big award ceremony and then concerts after that of various groups that they select groups for that. So we were lucky to be selected as one of the groups for that after show kind of thing. And then we'll be doing another showcase, which is kind of for industry people. Basically what it is, it's kind of, uh, you know, people from festivals and concert halls and things like that come to, come to the, come to the, uh, ECMA weekend. You play shows for them and hopefully it'll help us you know, or line up some more, uh, you know, tours for the future. For sure. And uh, for people who want to find out more about what you guys are got coming up next, uh, where can they go? Well, you can always go, uh, our website is kubasonic.com. Uh, our Facebook and Instagram, it's always, again, either Facebook slash Kubasonic or Instagram, you know, that. You can you, kind of more frequently going to have stuff on there like Facebook and Instagram because it's more uh, you know kind of geared to you know changing stuff frequently that kind of stuff. So yep, and there's also uh, you know you can look us up on YouTube. There's some videos up there and whatever all the regular social kind of stuff. Well, Brian, it's been a pleasure to chat with you and get to know a bit more about you and uh, your band. Um, congratulations on all your success over the past, uh, geez, uh, you started in 1996 and you've been on the go for, uh, like almost two decades now. And, uh, just, it's great to see what you're doing. We make doing. a joke of that. We make a joke of that, Zach. Some of the people in this band weren't born when this band started. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> well, listen, Brian, uh, it's been great to chat with you and, uh, I'm super happy with what you, Maria, and the rest of the band are doing, being ambassadors of Ukrainian culture and really, you know, uh, taking the lead and uh, being uh, that, like, Ukrainian, um, uh, like, that resource for, you know, newcomers that are coming here to the province to help them make them feel more comfortable and really understand, like, this is a really a good place to be. And uh, you've really lived that over the course of uh, the past eight years or so, or the past decade or so, um, with just being here. And we're super lucky to have you, Maria, Jacob, here, you know, playing music and really making a, a difference here uh, in Newfoundland and Labrador. 
So, Brian, thank you so much for joining me on the Musical Connections podcast. You have a wonderful day, and uh, all the best to you in May. Slava Ukraini. Thank you, Zach. Thanks for having me. There we go. That was my conversation with co-founder of the Kubasonics, Brian Cherwick. Right now, let's get to that lead single from their 2022 album, Kuba Songs. This is Kalinga on the Musical Connections podcast. Oh, you Lucy Kalina, oh, you Lucy Kalina, 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 Chubarigi Chubchigi Kalina, 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 Chubarigi Chubchigi Kalina. up episode 20 of musical connections big thank you to brian cherwick for joining me as my guest this week and if you want to be a guest on the podcast in the future or have any new music for newfound releases email me musical connections nl at gmail.com
musicalconnections.com. And if you want to tune into past episodes, then type in Musical Connections on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop every Tuesday at 12 noon, Newfoundland Standard Time. And make sure to leave a like and comment there as well, as it helps out the show a lot. Thank you so much for connecting. I've been your host, Zach Snow. Stay safe and please be kind to one another. And until next time, safe home. Thank you.